Hello and welcome to the African Tech Roundup. My name's Andy Lemasugo. And I'm still Defo Mohapi. And if you're a regular on the show, you'll know that we usually round up the week's most important tech, digital, and innovation news from across the African continent. However, this is week three of our four-week annual break here at the African Tech Roundup. So while we started from the bottom, we're still not here. Uh, <laughs> you shouldn't laugh at your own jokes. <laughs> I'm not redoing that. I'm not. This is week three of our four-week annual break. And we're still not here. And, and because we're out of the office and can't cover the news like we normally do, yes, we've set bots to deliver yet another episode brimming with exclusive content from the annual Roundup 2015 event we hosted at the Wanderers Club in Johannesburg in November. The event was powered by the good people at Oprah Africa who were totally about helping us all do more. With over a quarter of their 350 million or so users globally being in Africa, Oprah is committed to making sure the continent is not left behind as the next billion people are brought online. And they're doing so by investing in various important ventures that seek to grow infrastructure, improve affordability, and fund educational initiatives. For more on the specifics, visit opera.com. And as promised, this week we're letting you in on a panel discussion that covered some of the past year's highlights in terms of gadgets and apps. The panel features Deputy Editor of Stuff Magazine and Technology Analyst Craig Wilson, Director of Project Fable, Kodjo Bafo, and Digital Content Specialist at Caxton Magazine, as well as Contributor at TechGirl.co.za, Jane Brennan. By the way, if you're joining us for the first time, don't worry, you have a whole year ahead of you to make up for your inadequacies. Seriously though, you head straight to AfricanTechRoundup.com to catch up on what you've been missing all year on loads of episodes of knowledge and information, and also also do yourself a favor by signing up for our weekly newsletter so that you get the podcast sent straight to your inbox every Monday morning. Yes, indeed. We're only a few days away, technically, from the new year. So that's a great way to start it, by digging into that archive. And look for fun behind-the-scenes stuff and daily news bites and candid commentary that we'll be sharing throughout the festive break as well as well into the year. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle on both platforms is at African Roundup. And, of course, we're on Facebook. Check us out at facebook.com forward slash African Tech Roundup. With all that said, it's time to roll the tape and enjoy the Gadget and Apps discussion. Welcome, everybody. Thanks. Welcome, Thanks. everybody. So a quick fire, real quick questions. Don't think too hard. I'm going to ask each of you to answer the exact same question. Again, don't think too hard. Kojo, I'm looking at you. All right. <laughs> You're a thinker. I know you. Is it not possible to think too hard? Is it not possible too to hard. think too hard? Are we on? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What did you say? It is not possible to think too hard. That is something Kojo would say. All right. Anyway. All right. So let's go. Apple or Android? Android. Android. Both. Okay. Favorite uh, wearable? Uh, Fitbit. Fitbit, Fitbit, yeah. A watch. Okay. Favorite (laughs) app at the moment? Um, Blinkist. Telegram. Slack. Well, I'm on you with that one. Virtual reality or smartwatch, if you had to choose between one or the other? Uh, Virtual reality. VR. Same. Uh, Podcast or radio? Podcast. Podcast. (laughs) Um, wow. Are you still into radio seriously now, Kuja? Well, Beats 1 is online, okay, but it's fair radio. Enough. Fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. That's pretty dope. And podcasts are structured as radio shows sometimes. 
All right. Well, I'm going to start with you, Craig. Sure. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question that's uh, specific to something you just posted online, uh, on, on stuff uh, online. And uh, you just reviewed the new iPad Pro. No, we didn't review it. It's just out tomorrow. So is it just if, out if, tomorrow? If you have too much money and too little sense, you can go and pick one up. Okay, so that's the Android <laughs> in you speaking. Well, you can say that. I mean, I actually use exclusively Apple devices. I just don't favor them. Really? Yeah. So how does that work, though? How do you how do you sort of justify that rather what almost? <laughs> It's, yeah, well, it's dual thinking. Yeah. I guess it's twofold. The one is that it's a hangover from a previous job where we were a two-person team. Uh, my editor at the time, did uh, Duncan McLeod from Tech Central, did the uh, Windows and Android side of the world, and uh, he needed someone to do Apple, so I got sort of sucked into it. Then in my current job at Stuff Magazine, we're an Apple, uh, an Apple-only office uh, purely because we don't have an IT department and we can't be bothered to troubleshoot PCs. Uh, so it's just kind of, it's just kind of happened. Um, but if I were actually, uh, you know, to start from scratch, I'm, I'm more inclined to the flexibility, say, of, of Android devices. Okay. Yeah. And you write for uh, techgirl.co.za, Jace. Do women have a different perspective on all things t- uh, gadgets and apps? Um, I wouldn't really To see- men. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't really uh, say so. Like, I think it's a kind of a bad idea to try and like separate things by gender, but we do definitely like take a more like feministic approach to things. But generally, it's just you know categorized by different interests, not really whether you're male or female. Kojo, based on some of the, the, the you know the, the questions you were asking in previous panels, I'd imagine if I went through your phone, I'd only find apps that are helping people. Uh, uh, farm better and maybe survive malaria in the jungles uh, of of deep deepest darkness. Not, how do you deter? What? How do you decide what to download? I mean, f- phones now don't actually have all the capacity we wish they had to have all the apps we'd like. So, how do you decide what what gets your attention? Look, I went the route that everybody went when when these ecosystems started being built, which was downloading every app and its mother, mm-hmm. um, and then over time, gradually. You know, gradually finding the ones that I use, the finding the ones that are that are significant and help me be better. I mean, so what Kali was talking about into what he calls empathy, I call context. Um, and I think the important thing is that we need to contextualize. In the world we live in, everything needs to be contextualized. So, for example, you're asking Jade about men versus women. It's more about context, um, and it's more about context as us as individuals whether it's culturally, whether it's what country we come from, the continent, etc. But in essence, at its core, it's a context in terms of how I live my life. So I have productive, productivity apps, and that's why I like Slack. Um, because Huge my fan. We use that all the time. Because yeah. my business partner and I, we would have conversations over multiple IM platforms. And then we're tr- trying to remember what we talked about last week. And you go through BBM, WhatsApp, SMS, etc., trying to figure out where that conversation was. Um, and that's why I use Slack. So it's, it's, about, it's about being able to contextualize it. And because I've been downloading so many apps over the years, I've gradually found the ones that I feel work for me. And, and whenever I get a new device, all I literally do is download all of those things again, set, the, set up my folders the way I want my folders, and then I go about my business. Hmm. And so, Craig, uh, I'd imagine the Fitbit is something you actually use and not just admire. 
Uh, and sure. I'm going to ask you the same question, Jade. <laughs> so is it just a cool thing? We are there in wearable. There is actually one here. Oh, are you yeah. actually wearing one right yes, now? Yes, yeah. Okay, so you are walking the talk. Yeah. Well, and unfortunately, of course, often I look like a complete idiot because I'll wear something else on the other wrist. Oh, I see. You know, to test it. Oh, so at one point I was wearing two smartwatches. I see. It just looked ludicrous. You just wanted to wear long sleeves all the time. So would that make you an early adopter, or are you sort of impressed with what I'd consider wearables 1.0 at this stage. So, so that's interesting one. Actually, despite being a techie, I'm absolutely not an early adopter. Uh, I, I'm very distrustful of first-generation tech. Um, for example, we recently you know, wore an Apple Watch for just shy of a month. And I was really worried when I first got it that I was going to, at the end of the time when it went back, I was going to feel compelled to buy one. You know, like, I must have this. And uh, I had the complete reverse experience. You know, I was asked, would you like another week or two with it? I said, no, come and fetch it. I don't miss it at all. Um, I'm not a huge fan of first-gen tech because I think it's always about, you know, a lot of the time it's about getting to market first or just getting involved, particularly if you're someone like Samsung who likes to throw a dozen products out there and see what sticks. Um, I feel a little bit like you're setting yourself up to be toyed with or let down. You know, if you look at things like the first-generation iPad, uh, I think it was less than a year afterwards the iPad 2 came out, fixed all of the emissions like GPS and a camera and this sort of thing. And you were and, stuck with the first one, I bet. Well, and the people who had the... I wasn't, no, certainly <laughs> not. But a lot of people I know had this you know, really bad taste in their mouth that they'd been burnt by, by picking something up uh, too soon. I like to wait for them to work out the kinks before I uh, commit to these sorts of things. And I guess it's why I like the Fitbit to come back to that, is that um, it's, it's, you know, this is the sort of fourth, or fourth iteration of it um, and I just feel like it, uh, it does what it says on the box, whereas for a lot of wearables in particular and smartwatches, I feel like they're still uh, devices looking for a purpose. And Jade, uh, I'd consider the, the Apple Watch easily the most anticipated wearable of the year. Is that fair to say? Uh, about the year so far, I, I, to be fair. I mean, I'm not a fan or anything like that, but certainly the hype that accompanied it, it you know, the launch that came out, the fanboys and girls that came out. Um, what do you make of the state of wearables? Uh, and uh, using sort of the, the Apple Watch as a, as a context or a starting point. Um, I think they're like still fairly new and people need to get used to them. Uh, specifically for a watch, I think, you know, when we first got cell phones, you didn't really need a watch anymore because the time was always on your phone. So I think it's kind of like shifting behavior again. Like now there's this new thing. And obviously it doesn't just tell the time. It can tell you everything. And it's like part of what you do. And how willing are you to be shifted as a consumer? Um, yeah, I think, you know, test it out, but you would have to change your habits and that. Because I, I, I sort of said I think it's the biggest sort of tech device mm. to come out this year, and I think the biggest, relatively speaking. All of you gave me blank stares. <laughs> what do you think, Kojo? Um, I have a weird relationship with wearables. I mean, I wear the Fitbit, and I am a fan, and I've, I've used one for, you know, something on two years now. Um, I also still wear watches, and I like watches, and I have different watches. My whole thing with wearables, and I tried out the Sony smartwatch, the Samsung smartwatch, I haven't tried the Apple one, is I'm at the stage where I worry about how much my devices impose on my life. And so I've structured my life such that I don't get push notifications on most of my things. So I can consciously and actively kind of go in, whether it's my email, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. My problem with the smartwatch is that what it, what it then does is that it pushes that back on me. Um, and, and it, you know, kind of, it becomes all-consuming. And I think we're getting to the stage, and you are seeing that kind of trend globally, where we're getting to the stage where it's, 
you know, we've been through the totally submerged in Twitter, tweeting every two seconds. And people are now starting to become clear and discerning about their time and, and how they use their time and how technology imposes on your time. And I think that's, that's a shift that we're going through because, because it's so you know, ubiquitous. Um, now, we're getting to the stage where we can go, actually, do you know what? I don't want it consuming all of my life. Therefore, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. And that's my issue with wearables. Um, you know, yeah. And so, Craig, what do you make of people who, who say, um, who are just fed up with the hype around gadgets and apps, and specifically to our context here in Africa, um, the, I, the Apple Watch did not come out of Joburg or, or, or Douala or Nairobi. Is there a reason? Perhaps we don't need it. And maybe we should be concentrating on tech we need. Well, I think that needs an interesting point, and that's and to, to echo what Kojo said. I found the most useful thing about uh, a smartwatch was that it made me turn off a vast majority of notifications, you know, things like Instagram, because suddenly getting every notification on your wrist uh, feels... You know, it's it, it's intrusive, and uh, the best thing to come out of having wearables and then getting rid of them is that now uh, I have so few notifications coming through, and it's about that which you find useful. You know, similarly, I uh, recently did a Facebook purge, uh, changed my name, untagged myself in all photos, deleted all content, and I no longer post to the platform at all. And you're still here. And the, re- wow. <laughs> the reason being, and it's about this value. It's about what you get out of it in return. And I find, like, in this line of work, Twitter still has uh, obvious value. I saw a, it was a joke post once that said uh, reasons to be on Twitter, and one of them was, do you need to know about breaking news six to eight minutes before the mainstream wow. media? And they were joking, but really, I mean, where do we get our news from? You know, I get far, I feel like I get more substantial and more meaningful and more accurate information from Twitter than I do from mainstream media, for example. But Facebook, I found increasingly, was just stealing my life. Um, and wasting my time. You know, you fall down the rabbit hole for 45 minutes, you come out, you're convinced everyone's having a better life than you. Um, and, and, of course, the more you put on it, the more it tries to attract your attention. You know, and I found that just by stopping posting anything to it, you know, normally I, I, don't, I don't digital over weekends. I don't social media. And you, you even have in, a name for it. You've got to... Yeah, you come in on a no, no social media Saturday, Sunday. You come in on, used to come in on a Monday and there'd be 50 notifications. Sure. Now I come in and there's three. And I find that, I mean, with all of these things, as you talk about, from the the sort of need perspective, I think people are, after the initial excitement of downloading everything and trying everything, we're all getting a little fatigued and shifting to the, well, what do I really need? What really adds value? And what's genuinely useful? And so, Jade, I recently interviewed uh, Ashley Vizi. He's the CIO of Barclays Africa. And he he, uh, formerly the CIO at uh, Standard Chartered. Um, based in Singapore, and there, um, to convince his team to think out of the box, we've heard a lot about banking and how it's very challenged in that area, at least the, the incumbents are very challenged in thinking very broadly on these things, he decided to take the drastic step of having an implant put in, a little chip in his wrist. How far is too far with apps and gadgets, do you think? I think that would be too far. Like, Sorry, why? Ashley, to put, you, to put you on the last, but he did share it on our podcast, so I'm not sharing any secrets here. But what, And uh, how far is too far, and how do you determine that boundary think, here and no more? Uh, once it starts getting annoying, like Craig mentioned, like when you start to become aware that, well, I've got 10 Instagram notifications and you're actually breaking up uh, your day just to check your phone the whole time, I think that's when it just becomes too much. And here's a question for all of you guys. Uh, the smartphone, the mobile 
the, the mobile trend on the continent. We, as you know, uh, there just tons of statistics out there um, talking about how Africa is leading the rest of the world in terms of mobile penetration, etc. Um, in many respects, we knew that smartphones were going to we're going to start to take over. We heard earlier from Joe that they haven't quite in many places. The feature phone still rules in many places. But certainly people's willingness to sort of trade this gadget for that gadget, I think is unprecedented, uh, particularly when you consider that when I was growing up, you bought one fridge and you had that fridge for the rest of your life. And we're coming out of that world. What, what do you make of all this and where is it all going for the continent? Kojo. Um, so... What was interesting for me was the the morning discussions because I think I think there's a challenge, particularly when you're sitting in South Africa, um, because South Africa, I believe, views the world from a very, particularly in this space, from a very Western perspective. Um, you know, everybody's talked about Mpesa, etc. And Mpesa, for example, blew up in East East Africa, was dead in the water in South Africa, and because in South Africa they were trying to make it something for everybody but we all have debit cards, at least those of us who are the 1%, because whether we like it or not, you know, the 1% may be very different in the U.S., but in, in, in South Africa, we are the 1%. Um, and and my, by we, you mean people like us, yeah, people in this room, yeah, people listening to this podcast yeah, probably, yeah. actually. And, and one of my biggest challenges is whenever anything, well, a lot of the things that are created out of particularly South Africa, and I used to, I used to judge the MTM business app at the Euro Awards, and everybody used to talk about we were looking to make world-class apps. And the one year I went, how about we make South Africa-class apps that actually deal with and address the real problems that the majority of South Africans have? Because it's very easy for us to get caught up in our little spaces and, and create things that we, that we feel are going to com compete in Europe or the U.S. And, you know, the, the 5,000 of us who can actually get that app will go and get that app. Whereas we have an entire country out there who can benefit, and I believe that's the challenge that Kali put, who can benefit from our creativity and our innovation to come up with solutions, you know, and that's also been talked about, solutions that are really African solutions. And if you look at things like Impesa, et cetera, those are African solutions for African problems. And, and there are a lot of them cropping up across, you know, across the continent. Obviously, they're not, you know, they're not breaking, necessarily breaking borders, and they're not necessarily going to be the next Google, the next Angry Birds, the next whatever. But for me, that's the space that interests me a lot more. In terms of, you know, I met a Nigerian guy who's created a, a publishing platform. Um, so he's also working on an app. And I had a Skype conversation with him. I had to wait for him to get to an internet cafe. And he's looking to publish, and they're publishing books from Nigerian authors, and he's looking to expand, you know, expand the books. In. So for me, that's where the interesting work is, and that's where I think I really feel like we should be putting our attention in terms of how do we support that and how do we help those people drive those kind of solutions. And so a tough question for you, Craig, as the deputy editor of Stuff Magazine, South Africa. Um, and thank you very much, by the way, for, for being a partner of this event. Yeah, sure. yeah um, A lot of us will be interested in, in finding out. And guys, I'm going to throw this out to you in just a moment. But given what Kojo's just said, what do you write about? And does, that, does what he's just said somehow impact what's worth covering in a magazine-like stuff? Do we just sort of just buy into the excitement and the aspirational element of great, beautiful new things and apps? And, and how do you make editorial decisions around that for this market? Sure. Well, unfortunately, I mean, for us, that is it. It really is about the great, the new, the shiny, the aspirational. Um, 
you know, similarly, I do a slot on YFM on Friday afternoons, and I've been doing that for about a year and a half. And when I started out, I spoke to them, I sat down with the producer of the show and said, you know, what are the sorts of things you want to talk about? And he said, we're not interested in talking about the, the 200 Rand battery pack or the, um, you know, we want to know about the 15,000 Rand phone. We want to know about the 100,000 Rand camera because it's aspirational. He says, you know, to think that uh, there isn't interest just because people can't afford it is... Uh, you know, completely misplaced. And similarly, you know, our focus, unfortunately, is to give people a, I say unfortunately, unfortunately because it would be nobler if we were addressing these issues more directly. But we really aren't. It's really a, to let people dip in and have a, um, an overview of all of the latest and greatest and, and uh, fantastic in the world of tech, even if it's something that uh, would never, you know, necessarily be in reach. That's interesting because YFM is one of the South Africa's leading urban youth stations, mm. massive following, and that would be int- that's actually quite interesting. Okay, well, I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you to think about the last few things you want to say to wrap this up, okay? Because I want us to contextualize. We're being listened to across Africa, as you know, um, in, in in places we probably might spend the rest of our lives never visiting. It's really sad to think of, of it that way, but given that. Knowledge. I want you to think about what you'd like to say last about the state of, of, of where we are as a continent in terms of gadgets and apps and perhaps where we should be. What are your, your thoughts 2015 in retrospect? You've got all the benefit of looking back on, a, on the year that was. Where are we at? Where, sh- where should we be? What stands out for you? I mean, I think, uh, as we've heard a lot today, really, it's things like power, I mean, in terms of electricity, and access in terms of affordability and and data. And I think, you know, amazing things can be done with just those uh, simple things in place. You know, I worry increasingly about things like access. And when I talk to my friends who are, um, you know, perhaps job dissatisfied, you have to remind them sometimes and give them some sort of sense of perspective that if you're remotely middle class and you can type, I mean, just literally, you know, operate a computer, you're employable in a sense that people who really have only their physical labor to sell uh, will never be. And that catch up, you know, to try and teach someone in their late 20s or early 30s, it's not impossible. But, you know, those are the impediments. It's it's the having a, having a cell phone with data that you can afford and that you know, you can charge, and having that in a home from, um, you know, a young age, those little things, um, the little to us, are the ones that make an enormous difference in time and can completely change people's futures and prospects and what they can do uh, for themselves and for their communities. And I think, you know, these are the, the things to look at. It seems ludicrous that uh, in South Africa, for example, where we're meant to be so far ahead and developed in mobile, um, the operators still think it's okay to charge 150 rand a gig of data. You know, I mean, this is ludicrous. So I think things like the Project Isiswes of the world or you know, the community Wi-Fi projects, you know, these are the things that we really need to focus on. The gadgets and apps and so on feel somewhat secondary if what we're really trying to do is uh, improve people's lives or, more importantly, equip them to do it themselves. And I think those are the, the sorts of initiatives to not only to look out for but to, to champion and support if we can. I think it's saying a lot about this crowd that they had a lot to say about those very issues a lot mm-hmm. earlier on. I'd imagine the same similar conference elsewhere abroad. Um, those <laughs> those uh, panel discussions might have been empty and uh, would have filled up very nicely towards the end. <laughs> so that's saying a lot for you guys, Shem. You guys are good. Yeah, you're good-hearted <laughs> people. Jade, your uh, final words. Um, I can't remember who mentioned it earlier, but they were saying we need African solutions for African problems. And I think it's quite easy, you know, to look at Africa as, you know, a content, 
content, a continent uh, with a lot of issues. But I think the restrictions actually like breed innovation. So like we don't have great data, so what's the alternative? You know, the service providers aren't gonna like lay new cables quickly. So how do we get around that? So we have SMS, so let's use existing technologies and just smarter way of doing things. So. Okay. Um, yeah, for me, it's kind of preaching the same thing. We must remember that technology is merely a vehicle. Technology is like money. It's a vehicle for us to achieve what we want to achieve. And, and I think from a South African perspective, it's remembering that this content has, continent has, what, 54 countries, each with different cultures, different solutions, etc. But there's a lot of commonality. And, and sometimes it feels like South Africa looks beyond, like it's, there's a whole space between the Limpopo, Limpopo River and the Medi uh, Mediterranean Sea. And there's this kind of black hole. But there's so many lessons to be learned, like Jade was talking about, the, you know, with SMS in Kenya, in Ghana, and in Nigeria, they're doing very interesting things with S just SMS. Um, so there's a lot of lessons to be learned, and it's. I think the time is not to focus on intra-Africa kind of innovation, trade, etc., and find those solutions amongst ourselves, as opposed to kind of constantly looking to the rest of the world to go, okay, you know. What what have you got? And like Ali said, they're not gonna they're gonna think about the cool stuff to do that has no context within you know within our environments. Yeah, and look, my takeaway is I think there's a place for aspiration, there's a place for beautiful things for the sake of beauty and fun for the sake of fun. Um, but um, it's sobering to realize some of what you've all pointed out that we do live in Africa, and. Um, and if we have the opportunity and the, for the good fortune to have access to even a, a pinprick uh, of what many of us have in our pockets, we should at least be thinking about how to get it to work a little harder and a little smarter and a little better um, overall for everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me thank one last time Koji Bafo, uh, Craig Wilson, and Jed Brennan, ladies and gentlemen. Please give them a warm round of applause. Come on over. I was really chilled. Uh, we hope you enjoyed today's show. And once again, we'd like to thank Opera for helping us do more and partnering with us to bring you the insights we share today. Special thank you to Craig Wilson, Gojo Bafo, and Jade Brennan. Next week, we round off our coverage of the annual round of 2015 with two awesome keynote addresses. The first one is entitled Way To From Here, presented by Musa Kalenga, who is Africa client partner at Facebook as well as Head of Brand at IABSA. And the second is a talk entitled Digital African, Your Ideas Matter by founder and CEO of CSA, Kali Ilunga. Be sure to join us. Both of those talks are incredible, folks, so you do definitely want to tune in for that one. And so until next time, it's happy holidays from me, Andile Masugo. And Defo Muhapi. Have an incredible week. Uh, and enjoy the brand year. May it be filled with goodness and bots. Enjoy it. Come back. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs>